You'll come with me to Psalm 24. Now, when I think about the book of Psalms, I, I think about our Lord because this is a place that, well, as it's recorded in the New Testament, that he seemingly went very often. He quoted the book of Psalms more than any other book. And so I would expect that he knew it very well. And then despite his different circumstances, it was a book that he would often go. Not just because he was speaking of things being fulfilled, but I can imagine as we go to that book, it just seems like a powerful book that can kindle within our souls the devout affection that is owed to our Creator God. And I know that reading through the book of Psalms, you have these different Psalms, and they can send us in all these different directions, but they never send us in any way lightly. I think about the power, not just the power, but also uh, God's awesomeness and His grandeur and how it rests heavy upon us in certain Psalms. And that's why I want to go here this morning. There's certainly some things that will bring out, but just putting our eyes upon this Psalm of David is such an encouragement. Let me read it first. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Salah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, and the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Salah. So to come upon verse 1, it just reminds me that all things belong to God. And that I, I must be careful not to speak out and even think out against God, no matter if it's in my trials or sickness or in my failures, who am I, who are we to question the Almighty? He truly is the potter and we are the clay. We are inconsequential, but yet he values us. He gives us worth. We were created in his image, not the other way around. I think about some of the words of Shakespeare when he said, how do I love thee? Let me count thy ways. But I think among us, our speech is more in regard of, yes, our love for God, but our ability to count our blessings, right? So to rather to get our minds lost in the different trials and the difficulties and to feel sorry for ourselves, but to rather train our perception to focus upon what we have to be thankful for, what he has done for us, and then that's what compels us to serve him in the way that we should. You know, one of the examples that rests heavy upon me at school was thinking back to Colossians chapter 3, where we learned that we are to work heartily, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men knowing that it is from the Lord that we will receive the inheritance of our reward. 
So it's like, as a Christian at work, I can't grumble. I can't complain, right? Because that just demonstrates a weak faith in my Lord. I've got to do my best. I've got to work hard. And when other people are making excuses, other people are complaining, man, I'm focused on Jesus and I'm demonstrating what he means to me as my master and thinking about all that he's done for me. And that's what drives me to do that when, when most people aren't willing to, right? People should love to hire Christians, right? Coming to verse two, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the river. So we think about, you know, his sovereignty and his power and his creation, his supreme authority. And when I think about his creation, how it proves his existence, to me, it just compels me that I need to be out in his creation and seeing all these wonderful patterns and giving him praise and recognition for the amazing things that he's put before us. In our world today, we know it's easy to get caught up inside, right? And even into that virtual reality with all our technology and electronic devices. But I was recently doing a little bit of research, you know, as far as young children. And it's about kind of taking ownership of your education, not allowing yourself to just get that one spoon that so easily can come if you, if you will allow it. But it said the three priorities as far as young children and them being physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy was number one, getting sleep, which is a huge problem for young people today. And, and we'll, that's a whole nother thing, but sleep. The second thing was just playtime, right? But the third thing was nature, being out in God's creation. And I just know from just experience that I trust that research. Because I know what it's like when I'm stuck inside a lot or I'm looking at that computer screen or a lot and I'm doing things that are more virtual than real. I know what that feels like. And then I also know what it feels like to go outside and, and go exploring and go up on the mountain and see the birds flying and see their beauty and feel the wind, whether it's a cold, harsh wind or whatever it is, even in those harsh days. I mean, whenever the athletes come out and we have the harsh weather, you'll see me more excited on those days than any days because I'm outside and I'm alive and I'm in his creation and I feel like I'm doing something worthwhile, right? So when I think about verses one and two and God's power and his existence and his creation as it's proven, I know that we must get out in it so that we can see and observe these things. I've also learned that a very important principle in life is being able to learn to just be where our feet are, right? To be able to stay present, stay in the moment and our ability to observe and especially nature is one thing that can help us stay grounded in where we are instead of worrying about the future or worrying about the past. Coming to verse 3, he says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? I think back to some of Jesus' teaching in Luke chapter 14. And speaking of uh, those that might be invited to a wedding feast in this parable, he says, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
And so I'm reminded that Jesus, God in the flesh, I mean, he was God, but yet he humbled himself and he suffered the things that he suffered. And yet I might have the audacity to be arrogant among my peers or to think that I'm more important or have more value or more worth than anybody else. Ah, oh, the shame, right? The guilt when that comes upon you and we realize I failed again. And so it's just a call to humility. When I study the Gospels, I think the two foremost things that strike me about Jesus is that humility and then his compassion, his love. And so I'm just being reminded that we must wear those things upon us daily. And we can't get pulled out into the arguments and the fighting and ah, the, but wearing the humility and the compassion of our Lord Jesus. And I come to verse 4, and of course this relates right back to verse 3 as far as who can come into these things. Well, only those who God allows, but God is not going to allow someone unless he has cleansed them, right? That they've been made pure. So verse 4, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. And that draws me back to Jesus' teaching in regard to the Pharisees, who they started to focus on the external, right? Their appearance before men. And, and they loved the praises of men. They wanted to look good. They wanted the honored seats, so to speak. They wanted people to think highly of them. And because they were focused on the external, man, their insides became a corruptible tomb full of greed and deceit, right? So much so we have all of that powerful teaching that Jesus teaches against the Pharisees. Do what they say, but do not do what they do, right? And so it's a call back to us to focus on the internal, see as God sees, and to cleanse the hearts, right? Clean the inside of the cup, as Jesus said, and therefore the outside of the cup will be clean as well. Verse 6, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Again, I'm drawn back to Jesus and his teaching in the parables. Right? Who were those that were willing to seek? Right? And even those among us that have been seeking and, or have sought at one time and came faithfully to render obedience to the gospel of Jesus, it's a call to continue to seek. We cannot allow ourselves to become idle, but kindle the fire every day and go to battle for the Lord. Right? Ephesians 6, there is spiritual warfare. We must be aware. What side am I fighting on? I don't need to just hug the line, right? I fight with my Lord. And I need to be ready to go to battle every single day. You know, sometimes I think it's harmful that we might suppose that we have long life. That's probably unwise. If I can just stay within the day and not suppose that there's tomorrow, then it's easier to kindle the fire of flame and live today in a way that's pleasing to God. Right? And so it's that challenge to be able to get my mind and my heart into the right place each and every day and continue to seek and seek and seek and be the disciple that's pleasing to God. And then finally, I come to verse 9. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Right? Who is this king of glory? 
He is but the king of the universe, the creator, right? And so it's a call to us, of course, to worship and to put ourselves in the right place before this almighty creator and to humble ourselves before this king and worship him, right? It's like Romans 12, this transformation that we have in our minds and our hearts to where we now understand that he is our master and he deserves that we would give our lives to him in service. And I think back to Jesus and the, our calling and, and what God sent in Jesus and what Jesus ultimately did when we were rebellious, when we were sinners, and yet he was willing to go through that for us. We deserve it all. We deserve to bear our shame and bear our guilt and bear our judgment and bear our punishment, but he took it upon himself. And he walked that path that we've talked about, right? He suffered the humiliation. Wow, just think about that. And from his perspective, in his perspective as the son of God, to let sinful man treat him as they did. I mean, it's hard for us even in the workplace sometimes to let someone who lacks a little bit of perspective to disrespect us and our ego in flames. But God in the flesh dealt with us. And he dealt with us in a long-suffering and a patient way. And he continues to be patient because there are many who will perish if he came today. And our Lord did this for us. We bring these thoughts before him when we come before the king of glory to worship, but not only just to worship, but in our everyday lives as we create within our lives, worship and service to the king. And so I put before us any of, anybody among us that has not considered what Jesus has done for us in my current state. If I was outside of Christ, not having rendered obedience, that I will be destroyed among the ungodly as we know that the earth is stored up for fire. Just as at one point in time, it would be deluged with water. God has revealed it will be burned up. And we do not know when our Lord and Savior will return. We know it will be like a thief in the night and that we be ready. So if you're outside of Christ, you risk a great danger to wait any longer to respond to the gospel. And that's why we are here. And Jesus invites you. Not just now, but any time. But certainly now he invites you to come. And through rendering your obedience, be willing to repent. Turn from your selfish desires and your life that you've created for yourself and giving over your gifts and abilities and giving over your life and saying, it's yours. Do with me as you please, Lord. And being able to walk in that. And being baptized because he commanded and he taught us to because that's the way he's going to forgive us of our sins. And then joining ourselves with our brothers and sisters and walking faithfully each and every day that, that it would be allotted to us. That's the invitation. If you need to come, please take courage and come as we stand and sing. Break thou.